0: Hey this is uh, the Recovered AF podcast. My name is Aaron. I am a co-host of this podcast and my friend Kyle is also a co-host and now he gives a non-affiliation disclosure.
1: Yeah hey uh, we are not affiliated in any way at all uh, whatsoever at all. With any twelve-step organization, uh, as we always say, we're just a couple of dudes sharing our experience, and uh, we have another guest today, and we are gonna ask him about his experience, and I'll let Aaron introduce him.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, t- we've got uh, Chet with us today, or better Cheddar. Is that one of those Cheddar? Just Chet. Cheddar Bob. Chet. Cheddar Bob. Anyway, Chet, what's up, Chet?
2: What up? How you guys doing? <laughs> Thanks for having me on. You can call me whatever the hell you want. Honestly, oh, yeah. I like them all. So. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Cool,
1: man. Um, I'm pretty excited to have Chet on. He's, uh, A, I really like what you always have to say. And what I'm really excited about is because we're not affiliated, we can talk about whatever we want. So we can talk a little bit more in depth about your spirituality and stuff if if the conversation goes that way, which I think you have some powerful stuff to say about that that isn't we kind of keep under wraps in a you know what i mean we just speak in a general way at a 12-step meeting but here we can talk about whatever the fuck we want so awesome. we can go into whatever we want and talk about whatever we want so um erin is your mic stand working
0: <laughs> i was thinking if i wanted to just sit back i could hold it but that seems less <laughs> this is making me really uncomfortable <laughs> watching you do it <laughs> yep nope i got it
1: It still seems really tall, dude. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Yeah. Maybe we we, should pre-production something. We we
0: took all of our shit down to Ken's last week um, to record our thing, and Ken already had a studio, and he tried to explain to me that I didn't need to bring all my shit down, but technology's really not my strong suit, so we brought all of our shit down, and then it's been crammed into a box, and now it's just not set up
1: fucking right. Uh, I feel... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had it before I started fucking. Now
1: you, now you got to hold it all Ooh, awkward. Nah, again, so. It's good. I got it. All right. Um, don't touch that. So Chet, we usually start these things with your first intro to a 12 step program. And I know a little bit about your story, but, um, what led up to your first intro to the
2: 12 step program? Um, Man, so my first intro to an actual 12-step thing, because I had been in and out of the Pathfinders or all the different places, but when I got introduced to the 12-step program, I'd just gotten my second DUI and moved to California to try to run away from my problems. And so I had to do all the stuff down there. And then that's when I first stepped into the rooms and got introduced to what the 12-step program was. And learned a lot because, I mean, I wasn't really ready to submit yet. But mm-hmm. it was it was definitely a learning experience. And
0: yeah, what's Pathfinder? You said you were and out of Pathfinder. What's that?
2: Well, like uh, prior to going there, like I had gotten multiple uh, public intoxications, and I had gotten a different DUI before. And so you just go in there basically and meet with a counselor for like once a week, and he tells you all this stuff. And (laughs) basically, I loved the counselor I had at Pathfinder because he's just like, I know you don't really wanna be here, Um, so we're just gonna jam this out, and you listen to some of the stuff I got to say, and you'll be out of here. I was like, all right, cool. (laughs) I can get down with that. (laughs) I think the biggest thing before that, the only thing that really made an impact on me was the the victim impact panel that they make you do, and that thing really kinda (laughs) floored me and was like, oh, maybe I'm being kind of reckless and dangerous, but.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I never, I never got a DUI and I, I still had to go to the victim impact panel after my, really? yeah, yeah, after my fifth drinking underage ticket, the oh, judge yeah. said that, that makes that, sense. he said that I had a problem yeah. <laughs> and that I needed to, and I got a, like a suspended sentence and I had to go to the impact panel, but of course being the 20 year old I was that had never had a DUI, that I drank, drove drunk a lot, I was like. This is stupid. I don't even. Belong, I don't even belong here. I didn't
1: even get a DUI. So, After man. my first DUI, I had to do one in uh, Albany County, and um, that one was intense. They brought in people that have survived an accident, and like she had lost her leg and all of this shit. And I was like, I think I was 21 when I got my first DUI, and uh, yeah, I was. I was floored and was like, I'm never drinking and driving again. And that that didn't last very long. But no. that, that was one of my strong opinions was like, damn, these dudes got problems. I'm just not going to drink and drive
2: anymore. Because mine, the, the, it was like the dad of the kid who had died from a mm-hmm. drink uh, from a drunk driver. And like he brought in his shoes that he was wearing that like flew all the way across yeah. the vehicle. And God. my first DUI, I hit somebody going... Stopped at a red light going 60 miles an hour down South Greeley Highway. I just, I still don't know how I hit him. I just didn't. I mean, I was drunk, obviously, so that's how. But <laughs> so, and it just folded my, I was driving a little Saturn, and it just folded it up like an accordion, Jeez. like all the way underneath the bed of the truck. And just Ooh. somehow by the grace of God, and it's an absolute miracle that the, the people in the truck, nobody was hurt. I wasn't hurt. Damn. Nothing had happened. And yeah. And that's where I would say, like, I could, I could feel. I know the only reason I walked away from that was from the grace of God. I, I could, I could feel things just kind of sat still. Like the next 10 seconds felt like 10 minutes, and I just sat there. And the song I was listening to on the radio hit, hit the part of the song, and it's like drive slow <laughs> right at the time. And I'm just like looking around, like, what the hell's going on? And uh, it was wild. And so I I felt God telling me, Chet, you need to slow down or you're gonna, you're gonna kill somebody, you're gonna kill yourself on accident. And I still, you know, went to jail that night. And then my dad bailed me out the next day and took me down to see my car. And I just dropped to my knees in tears because I had realized what I had just survived. And then it still hit me. And then he took me home and I cracked open a beer that night. Mm -hmm. So it was like, The realness of what i was going through was clear to me but i just didn't really care i guess like or i was just like oh well survive that one god will get me on the next one you know like uh, let me take him for granted so yeah i remember that feeling as
1: well after i i had wrecked a car one time before and i i uh i did i didn't get in trouble but um legal trouble I got in trouble but I didn't get in legal trouble and uh, I had wrecked a car in a ditch and uh, I remember the same thing like seeing the car and being like holy fuck I just dodged a bullet and then like a few days later I was drunk again you know and not really understanding like what had happened just being like oh yeah like never gonna do that again I swear and then I'm drunk again (laughs) you know and Yeah. yeah the powerlessness of that stuff is terrifying you know, like those, those extreme examples of like really bad instances. And then a few days later, here we are drunk again, you know, that's,
2: that's scary shit. Yeah. Cause it, it was just wild that how I can, cause I, I just don't know how to describe that moment in the car. Mm-hmm. And like, I always say like, maybe I've convinced myself that I saw an angel, but I know I felt something mm-hmm. holding me alive in that car And so I went through that moment for the 10 seconds that felt like 10 minutes, and then when I snap out of it from the airbags hitting me and and all that, then the truck just takes off. And so I was like, oh, here's my opportunity to to get out of this. I just went from this moment with God (laughs) showing me this, and I'm like, oh, now I can get out of this. So I flipped a U.E. and my car putted down the road, (laughs) and then the cops must have... They obviously saw the accident because then I saw him. And I was like, "Well, the last thing I need on top of a DUI and all this stuff is evading police." So I pulled over, lit up a cigarette, and waited for him to come. So yeah, but then they came back, and so the driver I hit was drunk also. So I just assumed they had left to go get a sober driver because then they came back mm-hmm. and wow, nobody was injured or anything. That's how I found out that everybody in that car was fine because then they returned like a half hour later. Yeah, so
1: that's crazy my my second accident sounds a lot like that too i don't think they were drunk but they left and then i did get an evading police ticket as well so um so when you went to california what brought you out there
2: um because after i got that dui my my plan was to just don't drink and drive anymore because the victim impact panel hit me all those things hit me enough to where i was like all right i just need to not be driving Mm -hmm. so that was my goal and when I got a new car I just I don't want to say I never drank and drove but I drank and drove a lot less and I end up walking a lot you know I fell asleep in a blizzard you know I wandered on the refinery just thing after thing because then my goal was to no longer drink and drive and then eventually I wanted to make a dramatic scene at my buddy's house so I left and pulled over somewhere to pass out and I thought I had just pulled up onto a curb but I pulled up in front of the hospital parking entranceway (laughs) and with the car still in drive and so it was off but it was still in drive. So I, some lady came out trying to get off work at like 3 a.m. and couldn't get out because I was blocking the entranceway (laughs) and they said, my lawyer said he watched the video and the lady's just like, throwing up her arms freaking out going crazy because i'm just passed out so i got a second dui and i didn't even know until the next morning Mm -hmm. when i woke up in jail and i was like i called my dad to come bail me out bail me out and i was like hey what am i in here for and he's like dui i was like no and it just like kind of all hit me again so i was like well obviously i can't do this here i was like it became clear to me i was like i'm gonna kill somebody or I'm going to die because I'm I'm falling asleep with the car still in drive blocking an entrance way so I was like this this is serious I need to get out of here and my brother was in the Marines in California and I talked to him and he offered me he's like yo you can come stay down here you can come go to college you know you can live here rent free we're just we're here to help you and I was like all right my brother's a marine he's going to keep me out of trouble you know I'll 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 be out of Cheyenne because that was the problem in my mm-hmm. mind is I just am too much of a rock star here. You know, I, I can't, I can't get out of it any other way. So I moved there and then waited about because it wasn't, they weren't immediate on me following up on my stuff. So like the first semester I went there and continued to drink. Mm-hmm. I just, cause I couldn't let my brother see. So I, I'd put the beers in my backpack and bring them into the house and drink alone in my room. and. Uh, I remember on his birthday when he he really saw the problem, uh, we went to TGI Fridays in California for somebody's, I I think it was his birthday, it doesn't matter, but uh, I ended up sneaking off to the sidebar, taking shots of Jaeger and, or whatever else, and then came back and didn't have any money, so I went around the table drinking the spits out of everybody's beer and everything that was ready, and then ended up getting into a big argument with him, and so he sent me to my room or whatever, so I just waited for him to fall asleep, and then I went to walk to the gas station to go buy, I was either going to buy beer or to go buy Mountain Dew for the next day for football, and so I put my headphones in, and I was singing a DMX, Lord give me a sign, like, at like 3 a.m. in the morning, like, super loud, and then my brother just comes and tackles me, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? This is California. It's not Cheyenne. You're gonna get your ass killed here, and so it, shortly after that, you know, and then I came home and drank and for, for uh, winter break. And then when I came back, that's when I actually had to start the, the stuff. Right. So they put me in this program and I was in there with people that uh, like had years hanging over this head. I, I remember uh, I only had to go there once a week and meet with the counselor. And then you had to get your form signed. You got, had to go to two meetings a week no, three meetings a week. So I went to two meetings, and uh, and church counted as one. So I'd have, you know, you'd take the program with you and mm-hmm. get it signed. And But I was in there, and I, I learned a lot, because there was one guy in there that had, like, 25 years hanging over his head for meth possession and different things. And he was in there talking about, you know, I just can't stop smoking meth. I think about it, and I don't know what to do. And I got all this time hanging over my head, and that's when I thought, like, you know, this guy's got a problem. You know, yeah. he he's he's here smoking meth, you know, and he's got 25 years sitting over his head and he can't decide whether he can t- stop or not. And I was like I was like 22, 23 at the time. I was like I'm just a kid that gets a little too drunk sometimes, I party a little too hard and I accidentally get arrested every once in a while for little things. So I was like that guy's got a problem. I don't really have a problem, but <laughs> but I was but I I had never felt as good as I did. I learned a lot. There was one guy in the program and he like even signed my book and he like asked me he's like uh do you have a sponsor and I was like no he's like well you know I'll be your sponsor and then he's like have you taken the steps and I was like no I don't I don't even know what that is and he's like well <laughs> step one is admit you're powerless and that your life has become unmanageable can you admit that I was like well that's why I'm here so you, no doubt And he's like all right you just took step one and I was like oh that was, that was freaking easy. I'll be you know? done like, with this in three yeah. days. I was yep. like, if the whole thing is that simple, that's <laughs> okay. And then, so right there in the parking lot of that meeting, I took step one and then didn't work any of the rest of them while I was there. Mm-hmm. And where I, I learned a lot and it was a great opportunity, I just, and I felt so good. Like, I, I was a jack-off in high school. Like, graduated the bottom of my class there. I made the dean's list. I got straight A's. I was able to go anywhere I wanted to with... I could have went to UCLA or USC or wherever I wanted, but I just wanted the six-month sober chip is what I wanted, and I remember telling that counselor that, and he's like, why don't you just focus on today instead of focusing on the six months? And I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, it'd just be really cool to <laughs> have that because to me, getting a six-month chip of sobriety proved that I wasn't alcoholic. Like, an alcoholic can't go six months without drinking, so... I'll just get that and I'll, I'm ready to transfer home and I'll, I'll, I'll get, I graduated all my court mandated stuff and then I can move forward and take everything that I've learned and I'll drink better this time. So that was my plan. I got my six months chip. I was able to transfer to the University of Wyoming and then boom, started all over. So. Right. So after, after I asked this question, I'm gonna close those
0: blinds behind you. They're too bright, but anyway. Um, I just thought when I got up, like I didn't want you to know like what what's this weirdo doing, oh <laughs> uh, okay, Kyle's gonna do it, so okay, so then you left California and you got to go to UW, and then did you live in, did you move to Laramie, or did you go to Cheyenne and do the outreach thing, you went to Laramie? Yeah. And then, so by then, and you were also convinced at that point that you weren't an alcoholic, so you were okay to drink, is that right? So you're like, okay, I'm living in this college town, and I'm okay to drink, and I'm gonna go to school. How'd that that work out? And
2: it's, it's funny, because I was immediately floored. Like, I came back sober, felt great, and then, like, literally, like, the second day I was back in town, I got super drunk out at the bar and fell asleep in a cab. And the cab lady freaked out and called the ambulance and took me to the hospital. And I woke up with them sticking an IV in my arm and going... And then I, I panicked, like, oh, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and they're like, oh, you you know, just calm down. So, And then for them to have to... Make that call to my parents again, be like, "Oh, we got Chet here in the hospital, and this and that." And so it was literally six months of feeling great. I was had never felt better in my entire life, and I was back in Cheyenne for two days. And it, and again, it had nothing to do with Cheyenne. It's just that's where I. And I started drinking again. It was like the second time I had drank again, and I was back in the hospital. And so that still didn't even mean anything to me. So I yeah, I went to laramie just thinking i could do whatever i was like all right i don't have my car down here i'll just walk around you know i'll i'll be fine and um uh, i just just episode after episode uh, you know uh i used to go to the library to the, the bar right across the street from the dorms that i lived in and, and i went over there and drank and somehow and then i wandered back to to the dorms and couldn't figure out how to get in i w- i thought i was using my my key card to get in. And as it turned out, I was using my debit card to try to get in. And then I couldn't figure that out. And then I went back to the library because I thought they had stole my debit card. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like yelling at this at the bartender and she's like, we're going to call the cops. And I was like, call the cops because you just stole my debit card. I want them here. And little did I, that's, so that's what I was doing. And so like that was a couple months in and then I had to take classes down there. I was mm-hmm. required to, so I was just like, oh, here I am back again. But it was just kind of something that I always thought you just had to do. You know, eventually, you know, you party too hard to get caught doing something stupid, and then you gotta go through the motions again and then you get over it, just like I had I had done and nothing really seemed to hit me. And then and then the second semester I ended up getting a roommate that wanted to deal cocaine out of our uh, our apartment. So then I had access to cocaine pretty easily and then Somewhere middle of the semester, it was spring break, I went back to Cheyenne to go party with all my buddies, and I decided I was just gonna spend all of my tuition money on cocaine. So I, I like drained it out, me and my, just all the money that I had, it was, I had $10,000 for that semester or for that year, and I just drained it all on crack cocaine for the next month while I was down there. And, Then the Monday came when spring break was over. I was like, yeah, I don't really feel like going. I was like, I'll just stay another day. And then another day turned into another day. And another day turned into another week. And then the week turned into another month. And I just stayed at my buddy's house smoking crack until I ran out of money. And then my one friend that I was staying with, he's like, Chet, you need to go home. He's like, you've been living on my couch for a month straight you are completely out of money yet. Now you need to, you gotta face the music. And I was like, all right. So, and then he took me home and I told my parents what had happened. and, And then at that point I was done with school and then went and got my job back because my boss just loved me from, I worked there four years before I had moved to California and gave me my job back. And so I did that and then moved in with my other buddy And then the problems just continued to go. And then one night I was sitting there drinking and they decided they were gonna pull out the meth pipes and start smoking meth. And for years before that, it was something that I would never do. I was like, acid sign me up, cocaine, whatever, you know, mushrooms, weed, whatever it is, I'll do whatever. But meth was something I would never, ever touch. We used to joke about it all the time. And uh, and then all of a sudden, I was so drunk, and they're like, oh, Chet's not going to hit this. And me being the drunk, arrogant prick that I was at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, you want to see this? And just took this big old rail and then hit it. And then three weeks later, I was high every day. And then that's when it, it really, really hit me was, I'm that guy in California that I said that he had a problem is because the meth was such a big deal to me. I was like, now here I am three weeks in, high off meth can't figure out how to get off so I got a problem and then that's when I was kind of willing to do whatever so then that's when I went to rehab for the first time and learned a lot in there so yeah and then after um
1: you went I don't want to gloss too much over but I do want to get into your recovery a lot which is super powerful you you've been to that treatment center twice right yeah and what was the second experience? Why was that one different than the first one? Because the second one, you've been sober since then. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So what was different between the first and second one? The,
2: the second one to me was just complete submission to God. It, it was not that this is an idea or this might work or I still got the option to go back out and drink. It was this time I was done and I was willing to do whatever I had to do to get clean. And God said, Chet, go to rehab and get rid of all the cotton balls in your ears that's clogging you from hearing the things that you need to hear and do whatever you need to do. Because like I was talking in a meeting last week, I said, I truly believe I took steps one, two, and three in that jail cell with that guy because. Because that, share
1: that story. That's powerful and I like that. (laughs) Sorry, but that's a
2: good story. Uh, It was my my last drunk, and uh, it wasn't as, compared to all my other stories, it wasn't even that bad. But I ended up getting mad over a poker game or something. So again, I just wanted to make a dramatic scene, so I drove down the street and went to smoke some weed and then passed out in front of this lady's house and with the car on, the lights on, and all that. So she called the cops, and they took me in there, and All the other times I had been arrested in and out of the drunk tank like 30 different times and 100% of the time I got thrown in there with somebody where you could just complain about life with. Like, oh, the cops are against us. This is a bunch of bull crap, you know, or the government's got such issues, you know. But this time I walked in there and this guy that I had never seen before looked me dead in the eyes and said, this isn't where God wants me to be. And in that moment I could feel God talking to me through that guy. And it was like, holy crap, dude, he doesn't want me to be here either. (laughs) And so me and him in that jail cell, we we got on our knees and we prayed together. And I just, I knew at that point it was like, this is it. Because for the last year of my drinking and my drug use, I just, I would sit in my car until 3 a.m. just getting high or drunk off of whatever and just praying to God that I would die. Because Because through the first time going, I had gotten reacquainted with God. I, I, had, I had felt his, his power in so many different things. One of the times when I was sober the first time, I was white-knuckling it, and God's the only reason I made it through there. I remember one day I was walking around my apartment going, I'm going to drink tonight, Lord, unless you show me a sign that I shouldn't. And I was like, well, I'm not going to find it wandering around my apartment, so I'm going to go here. So I went driving around, and my old meth buddy that I had lived with is behind me honking his horn on the thing. And I hadn't seen him in eight months or since it had been forever and I saw him and he was still all twacked out of his mind. I sat and had a drink and we had a Subway together. And I was like, here's your sign, Chet, is this is what you so desperately tried to get away from. This is what you went to rehab for. So it was through the first time I had gotten reacquainted, but I wasn't willing to do whatever it was because and I wasn't willing to take any of the steps. I wasn't willing to do anything. In that jail cell, the second time, I was willing to do whatever I had to do. So I was like, I don't know. I was like, rehab worked kinda last time, so I think that's where I need to start. And so I went there and got reacquainted, and thankfully through there, I was still uh, required to do an IOP program, which forced me to go to some meetings, and then I went there and got acquainted with some good people in this program who have years on top and they took me through the back to basics and just so many things went through because I was finally willing to to take the steps and and it ultimately changed my life so for sure um I keep
1: asking are you going with that um I was gonna so you and I um have a shitload in common but one thing that you know, I've had different experiences about, and I'm interested to hear about it is, um, like I came to the 12 step program with no, no idea about spirituality or God or whatever. And you have a different experience. Like you, um, you grew up in like a, a, a I don't know, I don't know, a religious family maybe is what I would say. And, um, like you just had a pre Existing relationship with God that I that I did I did not have when I got here. So I always am Curious how that works. Like what what's your experience like with that? You know what I mean? Like Having a relationship with God and then kind of I've heard you share like losing that
2: Relationship and then like getting it back Kind of so yeah, um, I don't know just just growing up because I always look at it like it, it wasn't shoved down my throat. Right. And, and I just remember because my family's a Christian family. Yeah. So like uh I, I remember sitting in church at like five years old and they're just talking about Jesus and different things. And I, I remember sitting there without anybody having to tell me I was like I, I know who that is. Like I, I talk to that guy all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm like that's it, it was just awesome. And And that's where like Anybody that knew me prior to, to drinking, and, and, like, and that's where I always fight back and forth because there's a guy in this program that always tells me, he's like, I was irritable, discontented way before I took my last drink, and I was like, that was probably true for me, but it was in a different set because they'd always say, my parents always told me if there was one of the three kids they were the least worried about, it was me because they're like, you were so calm, you were so peaceful, you were so willing to help anybody that it was, And I credit all that to my relationship with God because it just, I I wasn't fighting life. And then somewhere around the age of 15 or 16 when I decided I wanted to fight life and I was just like, well, you just put me here so I can do whatever I want in the meantime because I have you already. Like I got this figured out and I thought that's just what you could do. And then I I got more and more distant from God and I, I, I would... I would still talk to him all the time, but I, I wasn't listening to anything that he would say. It, it became the 911 calls. We're, we're driving down the road and uh, doing cocaine in the car, and all the girls are hanging out the window and taking their shirts off, and everybody's having a good time, and I'm in the backseat praying that that we get out of this and that everything's okay. And And then through the first time going through rehab, I got reacquainted with... How beautiful and amazing he can be, because like he had it, with no program whatsoever, I was able to stay sober for seven months, and i I drove myself crazy because I had God, but I just didn't know what to do with it mm-hmm. and i i could I could see his powers and his and his miracles, but i couldn't do anything about it, and so I just thought I was the scum of the earth, and so then once i relapsed because the relapse to me was i'm i'm back 100 percent and like i don't know how to describe after i was sober seven months and then the day i decided i was going to drink again i i took that first drink and i literally got chills up and down my body and i was like it was like i was letting <laughs> a demon back into my into my body is what it was like and I was just like I'm back baby like I this is what I've been waiting for the party animal is returned like look out world because it's going to be great again now didn't you have a drinking nickname too that people call yeah uh my buddies called me Chaz when I get drunk and they're like (laughs) and they're like Chaz is just such a dick they're like Chet and that's where again it became the they're like, Chet's the most caring, will do anything for you. Chaz is the complete dick face <laughs> that will just be a complete asshole to you for absolutely no reason. And like, even I, <laughs> one time, so my main buddy that did everything for me, and I like, I thank God every day that he gave him to me because he was kind of like my guardian angel in a way. And so he's like. But when I... One night, and then they're like, you're turning in the Chaz. And I hated when I got called that, and it pissed me off. So I spit in that dude's face for absolutely no reason. He's, like, trying to help me, and because I just... I don't know. It was weird, and... I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know. It was wild. I, I became a different person, so...
0: So my question is, um you talked about that you'd already had a faith and um you know, a faith in a God and um but clearly faith in that God alone wasn't enough to keep you sober, right? Otherwise you'd have been sober. So what was it what was it about going through the steps that changed your relationship with God? Where were it put it into just a um a relationship of faith to turning it into something else?
2: It's funny because uh i was just thinking about this while i was at church today and because i'm just i'm like sitting there thinking of i was like how how stupid are we as human beings i was like i i have all this this stuff i i see god's miracles all over from when i was in the wreck to this countless times and then i i was like and i still need these 12 steps i was like god gave me these 12 steps to help me as a human being because all this stuff isn't enough for me, so let me show you how to figure out what is wrong with you. And it's once I was willing to let God in on that and, and take me through that myself because I just, I didn't really understand it. And it, it seemed, it seemed too, too simple to me because I was like, I go over this all the time in my head. I was like, oh, well, you know, I was just Chaz last night and I became an asshole to all those people. So obviously that's wrong. I need to make an amends to all this stuff. I was like, it seemed too simple. Write down, like the inventory, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to write down all this stuff that I had done and then I'm going to admit it to somebody else and become willing to make amends. But like we always talk about, it's it's something when it's just in your brain. And once I let God help me write it all down on a piece of paper and then actually become willing to to make those amends is is i i don't know i, I i'm kind of getting off the questions i guess but no
0: i think you're answering it perfectly I, so what i'm hearing is like you know faith in god is was something and it's good in and of itself but until you were willing to like do something in your own life to take a um, course of action that could probably considered spiritual in nature or things in your life wouldn't change until you got off your ass and actually did something about it did something to act on that faith yeah. Pretty accurate.
2: Yeah. Because, like, and because I was sitting in my car praying to God every day, my last year of drinking, just asking to die because that drove me insane. Is that I knew who you were. I knew what you wanted me to do. And to me, I had tried this already. I was like, I went to rehab. I went through the meetings. I've, I've, I thought I took the 12 steps because I had looked at them and I had talked about it and I, I, had read some of the book and I had done different things, so I was like, I had done everything that I wanted to do, and this time around, I was actually, you know, we talk about all the time putting something positive into the stream of life, and now I'm actually being able to do that, and it's because of the twelve steps and being able to clean your own house. So then, you know, because like I'm told all the time, it breaks the twelve steps are, you know, trust God clean house and help others and once I truly trusted God that he led me to this program for a reason and that the people that came into my path that it just wasn't a coincidence to let these guys help me and then once I was willing to make amends through those things then I was able to take somebody else and take them through the steps and help them in their life in their battle just like I had done where I didn't know what to do and it was just it was the complete submission to God that my way didn't work anymore because I had done everything I could possibly think of to do to get sober and nothing worked. So I'll just follow your lead, whatever that is, no matter how uncomfortable that is, no matter how badly I don't want to do any of these things. Because sometimes, you know, the, the after effect of making the amends after it's over is great, but that, that shit sucks in the moment sometimes. And it's just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I, I feel like half the time when I'm talking to Kyle, it's just like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this thing, (laughs) but so just let me think about it for a while because it's going to suck kind of in the moment. But, and, and those, those are all the the problems that I have in my head. And I, I just, some of the amends that I've made have shaped me going forward. If I hadn't, if, if God hadn't given me these 12 steps to have, then i wouldn't have grown and i would end up being just like i did at seven months sober being sober off a football season and just a lot of prayer (laughs) then eventually i would go back into it and uh, like one in particular when i was uh when i was 18 17 or somewhere in there this guy left his wallet on my buddy's couch and i so i found it and i opened it and there was like 200 bucks in there and I was like, Oh, I'm a broke high school student. I could really use this money. So I took it and then he came back like an hour later, like, Did you guys find my wallet? And we're like, No, dude, we didn't <laughs> we didn't find your wallet. You didn't leave it here and then just lied and I and I, I spent that money and uh and that that just because that just drove me crazy for ten years. Something something as small as it seems as stealing two hundred dollars out of somebody's wallet and it just it, it drove me crazy and And so when I put it on my inventory, I was like, well, that's great. Like, how am I ever gonna make this amends? I don't know where this guy is. I don't I haven't seen him in like ten years. I haven't talked to him in like five years. I was like, "I, I, I don't feel like I'm ever gonna see this guy. And it was and I say it all the time, the biggest word in the whole program is willing, is because I was willing to trust God. I was willing to let him lead me, I was willing to make this amends, and when I wrote it down I just know God told me, Chet, if you're willing, I'll, I'll I'll deliver you from this. I I will show you this. And then, just like eight months into sobriety, I was eight months sober, I think, and I just hitting a little bit of a little bit of a stalemate even too, because the last three months of my first year, I just kind of was like stir crazy little, because I don't know. I thought after one year, I was gonna panic and go back out there or something. But and I was going a little crazy, and there I'm at the bowling alley, and then. There that kid is, and and he's a he was a tall freaking dude. So it's a, it's a little Im- intimidating to me because I was like, oh, man, I'm going to go up to this guy and admit that I stole his money, and then I lied to him, and then I'm going to try to make amends to this guy and then hope he doesn't punch me in the face. So like I was like, but I got to do it, and I didn't want to go, and so I went and pulled $300 out of the... ATM right there because I was like, well, if I stole 200 and it's been like 10 years, I should give him a little extra. And because I threw his ID stuff and his social security card <laughs> away. And, yeah. and so I, I just felt, and so I went and told him and his mind was blown at talking to him. And he's like, damn, dude, I don't even remember what you're talking about. And I was like, and I was like, it's, and so I gave him the money. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? I was like, dude, honestly, I'm not going to be able to move past this until I've paid my debt back to you. And and then I asked him. I was like, "Is there anything else I can do for you, like to to make this right?" And he's like, "No, dude, I I think we're good." And then and then he added me on Facebook later and then messaged me and said, "Dude, that took a lot of balls what you did. I just thank you so much for saying all that to me. And that weight was that I carried around for ten years just was gone. And it was that was incredible. I ain't seen the kid since, and I'll probably <laughs> never see him again. But it was just it was. It was amazing, and that was submission to God, willing to do the twelve steps and then it actually working in my life yeah.
0: just real quick before Kyle asked that question. I think that's a good point of what you don't have a question nope, oh no that's a good point though, like a, a lot of times and like um, we beat yeah. ourselves up pretty good because we do a lot of shitty things right i mean like i didn't I wouldn't have so much remorse and guilt if I wouldn't have done so much, so much you know stuff that was a, uh, compromising my own value system. But um, a lot of times, one of the phrases that gets popularized, where I'm at is, like, um, you know, the the ability to forgive myself and and stuff like that. And what I found is I don't really need to worry about that. Um, What I do need to worry about is repairing the damage that I've done and making those amends. And when I went back to those people and made those amends and made right the shit I've done wrong... I didn't lose any more sleep over that kind of shit that I'd done. Because I was the same way. I lost a lot of sleep over the shit I'd done. And I was like, how could I have been such a dick? You know, like how could I have treated somebody so poorly? And then I had a similar situation with a girl I'd gone to high school with and I wasn't sure how I was going to make that amends. And I hadn't seen her in a long time and was walking out of a credit union. And last I knew she was living in Alaska and I was walking out of a credit union. And she came walking out one day and I had the opportunity to make amends to that girl and that was one that had kept me up for a long time I mean I lost a lot of sleep over what I had done and like not one night since then you know and I I saw the pain on her face when I went to do that and she knew exactly what I was she she definitely remembered and and at first she tried to play it off and then she was like yeah no I just need to know you're not treating people like that anymore and and like it was like that uh, I don't know you know years of guilt and remorse and years of pain i you know i believe on her part that was just washed away in an instant it's a pretty cool thing but i don't really have to worry about learning to forgive myself i just have to go make right i have to go make right with the people and i have to go make right with the world and then that shit takes care of itself
1: yeah i think um when 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 I make amends and I see people forgive me, then it kind of takes the sting out of how much resentment and stuff I have towards myself. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, that shit works itself out, but I don't forgive myself first and then go, go make amends. Like I go make amends, clean up my mess. And then something goes on where I'm like, Oh shit, man. Like these people forgive me. And like, these are good people. And like, I really meant that amends you know like I did make that right and then I start to feel better about myself and my character and like that stuff kind of comes as an after like as a byproduct of doing the work but I don't go into it with like I'm making these amends just so I can forgive myself you know what I mean it's like an afterthought like it's something that happens as a result of doing this with the right motives and intentions I think if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. If I'm honest in my approach and I have a genuine willingness to set right those wrongs, that's the things I have to take into that. And if yeah. that's my motivation going into it, I'm good.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, now Chet, you have, uh, um, you were, you were talking about willingness and, uh, that's one thing I think that you really inspire me with. Cause you and I interact quite a bit. We see each other a lot. And, um, you are, you do, you continue to stay willing, you know what I mean? And like, you'll run into some roadblocks or like you were talking about shit in your head and you're running through this for a while. And then eventually you, you get willing again, you know, Um, right now, what I see a lot of willingness with is like, you and I are going to TRP on Mondays again. I don't know if I can say that, but I should have thought about that. We're going to that treatment center again on Mondays, right? And, and you're willing to do that and you're overcoming some fears. And I don't know, from the outsider's perspective, it seems like you've kind of been in, like on this high. I don't know, I, like it seems like you've been doing really well though, you know what I mean? Is that accurate? Does it, do you feel like things are kinda, and I mean, yeah, go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little bit, cause I can feel, again, the the spiritual growth when I, when I go in there. I remember just, uh, it was either last week or the week before, Somebody had picked a topic or something, and I didn't know what the hell it was. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, of course, somebody calls on me, or you're like, "Oh, they're calling for you." So I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm chatting, I'm alcoholic." And then I was kind of silent for like two minutes, and while everybody talked, and and what I wanted to do was just be quiet. And I was like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna pass on it." And then, and it, it was in that moment I was like, "All right, God, I don't know what to talk about." So I'm just gonna let you guide my words now and then. I just started talking, and whether it made any sense or not, I I don't know. And I it probably did more than I want to give myself credit for because that's what I'm good at is nitpicking all the stuff. But I so it was the reliance on God, or or and then when we start working with a new person, and it and was it okay? Like yeah, go about for that? it, dude. Like yeah. like we we started working with the new guy, and me and Kyle are tag team in a little bit and he he took the lead which I was I was glad for too and then afterwards he was like so is it okay I feel like I dominated the thing I was like no that was that was awesome because <laughs> because I'm not the whole time I'm sitting there going like old Chet probably would have been like hey dickhead like <laughs> yo let me get some words in but I was I was sitting there like I'm learning a lot again too because I need to get reacquainted with these things, and I was like, as long as this guy gets through the work, that's ultimately all I'm here for. So I was having a spiritual experience listening half the thing, and then, you know, I would say things in the... Because it's it's still a little uncomfortable to me to... Like, I get used to... Like, when I'm helping somebody, it's like, can I... Am I qualified to do (laughs) it? Because I always want to chop myself down, and then I remember, yes... I, I, I'm qualified because I've been through the work. I, I know what to do and I'm willing to help and I'm willing to invite God in on these things. And so, yeah, it's just it's the spiritual growth like we talk about all the time isn't always super awesome and mm-hmm. feels great at the time, but it's exactly what you need. And just even looking back is just as short as a week ago, I can see some of the spiritual growth. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Marty.
2: Um.
0: So, I think what I was going to ask about was, you talked about you, have you, you've been through the steps a couple of times, is that right? Yeah. And then, have those experiences been a little bit different, like the first from the second time?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, because, like, the first time I was taken through it, I went through the back to basics. So, it was all kind of like, you know, you, you read out of the textbook. Like, it was super informative, too, and it was good to... See all that stuff, but it wasn't like a in-depth, like one-on-one personal thing. It was like in a group setting. I did it with a couple other people that were new in the program, and with like three or four people that were willing to do it. And where I, I learned a lot. That first inventory I did, I just kind of like was like, oh, I need to forgive myself in a lot of things. <laughs> I was like, I like like you have been talking about. Like I was so mad at myself for hearing God telling me what to do for so long and then being selfish and just continuing to do what I wanted to do. And so where I learned a lot and it was informative, I wasn't really ready to clean any of the house yet where I was getting in depth. My first inventory was so short. I think I had like my mom and my dad and I was like, oh, I already made amends with them because all they wanted me to do was be sober. So I'm making (laughs) amends to them every day by being sober, and then I was like, then there's my ex-girlfriend, but I was like, ah, she's kind of a bitch, I don't really wanna, <laughs> like that, that, was, that was my thought process, I didn't learn, and then when I went through it a second time with, uh, with, my, with my sponsor, I, I, I learned a lot, and that guy taught me a lot of things, and then, and then when I went through it again with my next sponsor, I, I got even more out of it, because each time I was a little more willing, I was a little more, open to doing whatever I had to do and so each experience just made me grow more and more mm-hmm. so it sounds like you got what you re-
0: were you got what you were um you got what you were ready for when you were ready for it right like yeah maybe the, th- the 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 guy that's your sponsors now might have been a little bit too in depth or a little bit over your head at the beginning but it's uh it's like God sort of placed things in
2: front of you when you were ready for them most definitely and that's where I'm like the power of God is amazing because mm-hmm. the, I was, and that's where I was just like these people don't come into my life just by accident. I was like they're here for a reason. Just be open to hear what they say, and maybe I can learn a thing or two. You know, I I, I say it all the time. Like even just to, and and that's where I say it goes beyond just recovery. After a while, it becomes the way that you live your life on everything from work I, for me to humble myself that I've been at a place for over a decade combined, and I can learn something from somebody that has been there a year. And for me to have done that before doesn't happen. And I don't do it all the time, you know. I, you know, I always say, I could probably do more 10 steps from work. And, yeah. yeah, you and me both, buddy.
1: And yeah. I tell Ken I tell yeah. all the time, I'm like, dude, call Aaron for work 10 steps, dude. He is the best to talk to about him.
2: And there's no, And there's probably a lot of growth that I can get from there and I and I know that and that's why you know but so the the thing just goes beyond just recovery in your alcohol problem because once you figure out that that was just a symptom that it just that's that was our vessel that we used right mm-hmm. to to cover it up so now I can apply it to work I can apply it to personal relationships I can apply it to you know, cause I, or even as recently I'm trying to buy a house and, uh, I went through the steps kind of backwards. So I'm like already in like, I've been looking for like four months and then I had to do this one-on-one with this lady, with all this stuff that I had already learned and knew. So I could have went into that one-on-one meeting saying, there's nothing you can teach me now because I've already learned all this stuff. But I'm like, oh, maybe there's something else I can learn from her. And I went in there with that and I picked up a few things. So that's where it's 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 amazing how it how it goes, yeah um we're
1: like fifty minutes in already. We usually discuss a little bit what people like to do, you know what's their what's their thing you know like what is your what's your passion what do you like to do what's like what do you like to get into now? I mean, I know um you've been kicking around some ideas and really, what I get out of it is a reliance on God with like traveling to go do some of your you know your spiritual work and then you know i know you like to do some music stuff and stuff why don't you talk about some of that shit
2: um yeah the main focus for me now is because i just that last year of my my drug and alcohol use i just look at how much i was ignoring god and what he was telling me to do so now i want to do whatever he tells me to do no matter how scary it is and like my pastor has asked me to go to africa with him and go you know help bring people to jesus down there and and, and explore the word and that stuff is freaky to me because i I, you know in my mind i go you know oh i'm gonna get a disease and get proposed to and then i'm gonna accidentally marry some girl you know I, i go through all these you know or what am I going to wear? You know, or, or you know, or just <laughs> yeah. the, the, the million things, but I'm like, I want to do that stuff. And, you know, my, my dream or my goal is to one day be a pastor and then just be able to preach the word. And I, I still feel like such a rookie in it because, and then my pastor always tells me, he's like, there's a difference between a preacher and a teacher. You can be a preacher right now and you can become a teacher as you better understand the word as it goes on. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And, He's like, we'll go to Africa and I'll just hand you the mic and you'll get to watch yourself bring millions or not millions, but hundreds of people to, to God in that moment. And I'm like, I don't know. And so like the more, just like going the TRP and reliance on God when the subject comes, I know I'm going to need total reliance on God in that moment. So that's, that's something I want to do. You know, uh, I like to, rap and freestyle in my free time, so my whole thing is, I've always wanted to make a, an album, and now that my head is actually clear and that my story can actually make an impact, or, or instead of like encouraging, because if I would have done it before, it would have been like, yo, let's all do a bunch of drugs together, you know? And it would have <laughs> been something bad, now I can actually put something positive in the stream of life. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's what I wanna do. Uh, I just, I just wanna do, ultimately whatever God wants me to do. Yeah. It's to be able to say that's cool. One more thing. And then, or do you have something? Well, I just had a comment
0: on what he was going to, what disease he might get and what he might wear. I'm guessing with a disease is probably going to be malaria. Mm -hmm. And, um, what you're going to wear is I'm guessing a bunch of jerseys.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Sports jerseys. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, I was just going to say you, you've practiced that reliance recently with, uh, school too. You know, because you were were struggling with some indecision and then kind of made a decision, followed that.
2: Yeah, because I I couldn't figure out. And again, it was one of those points where I was hitting a stalemate last year. And I was like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to go back to school. Because any time I got bored, I was like, well, let's just go back to school again and try that out again. (laughs) So I had put in my notice on my apartment. I was using up all my vacation time at work, and I was ready to go. And then I had been praying for some one-on-one time with my pastor. And I randomly was using one of my days off on a Tuesday. And he called me Monday night at like 8 o'clock. And he's like, what do you got going on tomorrow? And I was like, actually, nothing. Like, I have the day off randomly. He's like, well, i got to make a trip to Grand Junction and back. And I'm feeling kind of sick. So I was hoping that I could get somebody to come with me, help keep me awake and keep my eyes open and stuff. And I was like, I've been praying for some one-on-one time with my pastor and he just gave me 12 (laughs) freaking hours one-on-one with him. And by the end of that, it was like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be going back to school. I was Mm -hmm. like, I I need to continue to go to my church. I need to continue to do my program stuff here. I was like, if I just relocate again, I'm going to be right back in danger where I was of ended up right back where because that was in the back of my mind was my plan I was like oh I can stop working the program again (laughs) I can just go to school and hang out and chase tail and see where all the girls are at and and it sounded really great to me so for me to be like that's not what God is willing wants me to do and then just stick with that instead of questioning it was was really cool yeah absolutely
0: I think I just wanted to say thanks like um I don't know anybody I don't know anybody in our group or you know in our little 12 step community that just doesn't that doesn't like you and doesn't think the world of you and I think it's just because you're just a genuine person and you're you know like I think that the things you had to say today are, are proof of that you were just willing to come on here and just be honest and be very genuine about who you are and and uh what you have going on. So I just like
1: I don't I don't know if you understand
0: your value to our to our community, but I just appreciate you coming on and like everybody's gonna know now.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you so much.
2: I I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh there's just like it's funny, I've been going through a little bit of stuff here the last week and I went back through and, and again this these are the things that just blow my mind on a regular basis. And like I looked back, I got my DUI uh, on the, the the day the night I was out drinking my dad sent me a message he would always send me Bible verses and I went back and looked at it and I was like man this is crazy the night I got the duI is, it, he sent me if my people who are calling my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and then turn their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them their sin and will heal their land and like he sent that to me the the night i got drinking and it was another thing between the guy in the jail and that it was like how much evidence do you need chad that god is calling you to to do this thing right so i just i've been looking at that a lot over mm-hmm. the last week so i just want to throw that in one more time and just thank you guys for having me on i think this thing is really super cool that you guys are doing Thanks, bro. Uh, I'm gonna you guys keep doing this thing because this is awesome. So,
1: yeah, right on, man. Well, thank you so yeah, much, Chad. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Aaron, did plug our shit before we go.
0: Oh yeah, we have a we have an email. I'll try and get it right this weekend. It's recoveredafpodcast at gmail And um, we're uh, we, you know, like if you um, just want to give us feedback or if there's maybe something that we don't talk about that um, you're curious about. I mean, that doesn't mean we're gonna do it because if it's whack. We're not going to do that, but <laughs>
1: using the word "whack" is whack. It is, yeah. Dude. Crack is whack. <laughs> yes, it is. But, amazing. but yeah, it would be awesome to get some feedback on what what you think we're missing out on, or if there's an area of opportunity for growth, or if you know people that would benefit from this, um, or would you know might be interesting to get on here. I mean, we're open to any and everything, and uh, hopefully, like, I mean, hopefully this thing's doing something. You know. Or if
0: you think Kyle talks too much and you want me to talk more, I think let that's us only know. you. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's probably right. Yeah. Okay.
1: I'm just kidding. But yeah, you can find us on uh, the podcast app on iPhones or uh, Stitcher and all of the major platforms Spotify. So Spotify, all of that, Spotify, Google Play, all of those things. So uh, thanks again, chat. I appreciate it, brother.